Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdahl, C70 the Bat at C70 on Twitter. With me, David Jones from iPop Editor on the Twitters. Coming to you after a disappointing, I think, week, it's fair to say. And I have spent many a disappointing week in Ohio uh, because that's where I usually had to do my family. We did family vacations for a long time because my wife is from there. And many of you that have followed me know my father-in-law was a big Reds fan when he was alive. We always like to have fun talking baseball. But uh, yeah, going to Ohio is never high on anybody's list, I don't think. And it wasn't for the Cardinals this week as well. Splitting with Cincinnati, kind of having to struggle to do it. And then losing two of three to the uh, Guardians in a series that I just seemed a lot of blah to me. I, I, you know, not watching it, but just following along, it seemed like it was just kind of eh. And that's not what we you wanted to see from a team that seemed to be resurgent when we were talking this time last week. Yeah, I guess you're not a big Drew Carey fan then. Uh, no <laughs> Cleveland Rocks coming Cleveland out of your mouth Come on today. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a very disappointing week. I, I think last week I predicted that maybe they would go five and two, but I said I'd be okay with four and three. And, and mm-hmm. the truth is they were one pitch away from going four and three, but still couldn't do that. But we saw the offense of old come back again. The offense that we never wanted to see again. They showed up on this road trip, unfortunately, and they showed up against guys that, well, they didn't show up and it was against (laughs) pitchers that they should have actually been rocking. Um, I don't know what's going on. I mean, five games this week, they scored three runs or fewer. The last time they actually scored more than three runs was on Tuesday. This offense has just looked terrible. I mean, they won a game with two hits this week. That's that's not good. I mean, we'll take the W for sure, but you shouldn't be getting only two hits in a game, especially a game that goes 10 innings for goodness sakes, but something's, something's going on. I mean, the bats have just gone dead. You look at Contreras, his last 15 games, last 15 games, he's batting 121. OPS is only 310. Unfortunately, it looks like Paul DeYoung has come back to earth, uh, hitting way under 200 in his last 15 games. This offense is kind of dying uh, or dead. I don't know which one to call it, but something needs to rejuvenate them because uh, I don't want to see this play out again. I've I've already seen this story one time this year. I don't want to see it happen again. We have said numerous occasions, and we may not be the only fan base to say this. I'm sure we're not, but it does feel like the Cardinals play – to the level of their opponents, right? They played two good teams last week, and so they picked up the pace and did better than anybody expected. They're playing two sub-500 teams, teams that are, you know, sadly on their level, I guess, if you want to look at that that way. And they can't, you know, can't crack 500, Um, which makes it just even the more frustrating. Um, Yeah, the... It's really weird when we're, you know, we've talked a lot about how bad the pitching staff is, and there are issues in the pitching staff. We'll talk about Stephen Matz here in a little bit. But, you know, if the Cardinals give up just three runs or, you know, four runs even, you expect them to win that game, right? I mean, they should have, they should be winning games five to four or six to five or whatever the case may be. And yeah, to have this offense return to the, the problems that we had earlier in the year is, is not good. Um, but I don't know what the answer is. I mean, except for everybody not slumping at the same time, I guess. Yeah, I, I would, I would like that. That would be nice because <laughs> it's not exactly fun baseball to watch. And, you know, I, I saw something today that kind of caught my attention. Goldie hit a home run. And as they flashed the graphic up, as he was going around the bases, they said 10 home runs, 26 RBI. And I thought, wait, 26? I actually went and checked it. I thought, he's got to have more than 26. Like, you could have 26 just on those 10 home runs alone. There's no way he only has 26 when he's hitting close to 300. And no, sure enough, that's what he has. Uh, And it shows you that his hits, his extra base hits, his home runs, they're all coming with nobody on base. And this goes back to kind of what we saw early in the season where – the hits are kind of scattered and when they're coming, there's nobody on base or there's two outs. And it's, we're just seeing some bad baseball right now. One thing I have wondered, 
and I don't know how much this plays into it, but you know, you go from playing in Bush Stadium or you go from playing at Wrigley and Fenway and places like that where it's packed and the crowd is on top of you to going where there's no crowd at all. I, mm. I mean, both Cincinnati and Cleveland are averaging about 18,000 for home games and that's 18,000 paid. I, I mean, yeah. that day game the Cardinals played in Cincinnati, I think there were like seven people in the stands. <laughs> um, they couldn't have fielded their own team if they needed to. I, I don't know if that does something even to opposing players where it makes it a lot more difficult to actually go out there and to get that adrenaline rush and play. Maybe, maybe not. You would think with professionals, that's not going to be the case, but I I have wondered if that can play some type of role in it. But even so the game on the field is still the same. I mean, pitcher throws the ball, batter hits the ball. And right now this offense just does not look good. Maybe they're fortunate to actually squeak out three wins. Maybe we owe something to the pitching staff finally, for keeping some games close, but uh, this offense is going to have to pick it up because thankfully the central and the wild card are still very much within reach. Uh, 500 record is still very much within reach in the next couple of weeks, but they're going to have to start putting some hits together and doing things. Maybe that has, maybe they need O'Neill and Carlson back from injury, get some lineup stability, get a little better defense in the outfield, please. But um, yeah, right now it's that, that offense is just struggling to produce. Yeah. And and maybe it's because of those struggles, but it seems like I've heard Brendan Donovan's name a lot more this week than we've had in the past. And one, maybe one of the few bright spots that we've seen. Um, And like you said, scored, scored the winning run without being a benefit of the hit uh, there against the Reds one night. Um, Yeah. Is that is that true? Do you think that we're seeing a you know a little bit of a resurgence? Because it seems like he's been kind of quiet until lately. Yeah, he he had actually looked pretty bad uh, before this week. Uh, he just he was not making good contact. He was not getting on base. The guy that we were hearing about, you know, grinding out at bats and high on base percentage, it just wasn't there. Like, yeah, he may make the pitcher throw him seven or eight pitches, but he was popping out or hitting soft ground balls. We have seen a different player this week, a guy that seems to be driving the ball. And if it's not for that, the Cardinals probably are lacking a win or two this week. So it is nice to see his see his numbers start to kind of go up a little bit. Um, I mean, he was hitting really poorly prior to this week. So we are seeing a little bit of a resurgence from him, but not many other people. And I think that's one reason why he's standing out right now is because no one else is really doing much. Uh, I mean, really as a whole the whole team is struggling. I mean, maybe say Andrew Kisner isn't, he could be like the lone exception. He hasn't played very much, but yeah. Um, I, it, it kind of puts the coaching staff in a little bit of a bind when you can't find more than two or three guys who can actually produce on a regular basis in a week. That, that does make it difficult to put a, a lineup up um, or at least kind of get some kind of consistency. Um, and, and again, we keep talking about, we've talked about it, you know, back when it struggled last time that the offense will come around and it did for a while. And so maybe that's the case. Maybe it's, you know, is something about, you know, just getting something to click and they'll be off to the races again. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's about all you can hope for, right? There's not a lot, you know, besides, you know, Jordan Walker starting to, to look better in, in Memphis. And so maybe then you start thinking about that situation again, although then you have the whole, you know, roster issues, especially if, Dylan Carlson comes back soon. It does not sound last I heard, at least that Tyler O'Neill is going to be anywhere close. Um, I, I, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe it's not, but it feels like, of course it doesn't, you know, I don't know that the bitching staff's got any um, saviors coming either. Right. I mean, it's, it's, this is the team that we're going to have to, they're going to have to do something with this team. Cause there's just not a whole lot of extra reinforcements somewhere. Well, that's a depressing thought. Thanks a lot I, for that. Uh, hey, you know, that's <laughs> what I'm here for. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like, you know, it's kind of like Groundhog Day. This feels like something that we recorded about six weeks ago and saying, (laughs) yeah, this is the team. Trade deadline's not close. They're going to have to just pick it up. And then they did. And things felt a little better. At least the hitting did. And now we're saying it again. And I don't know if I I don't think this is quite, hmm, you know, this is where I've been struggling this week because I've been thinking, is this what we should be expecting? Like, did they overplay Mm -hmm in the last couple of weeks trying to get back into it. Now they've come back down to earth. I think yeah. we've been on a roller coaster ride and I think we've yet to see that middle ground yet. 
Um, I think this is a team that's going to put up typically five, six runs a game, uh, but it seems like it's feast or famine with them. So right now, I think we're just going to kind of have to live with that. And maybe Carlson or O'Neill, if one of them comes back, that changes things. But right now, it's just a little bit ugly. I would like to see some lineup shuffling going on. Maybe it's time that the Cardinals kind of readopt that lineup that they had last year, where you have Newt at the top of the lineup. Because quietly, Newt's actually been pretty good this last week and the last couple weeks. Uh, but so maybe you insert Newt back up at the top and then you bring Brendan Donovan back up there too. Uh, then you can maybe put Goldie at three and then Arenado at four. Maybe I don't think Contreras right now needs to be in the top five. Now that may be Cardinal heresy right now, because it seems like he can't get any lower than that, but it, it is time to start switching some things around right now. Um, Tommy Edmonds not hitting well either. He's another one who's really struggled. I think he's like four for his last 26 or something like that. So uh, it just seems like everybody has kind of gotten cold at the same time. And, you know, I, part of this, I do wonder too, they're on this stretch of what, is it like 18 in a row? I think yeah, before they get yeah. two games off. You wonder if at some point these guys are just tired. They've been on the road. They've been traveling a lot. Uh, going to Cleveland, you're in a city that you're not normally in at a hotel. You're not familiar with. They may just be exhausted and maybe those days coming up for rest are actually going to do them a whole lot of good. Well, and it, and it well may be, um, you know, that being said, I do think that the lineups have shown that to a reflection of that. Right. I mean, we saw a week earlier this week where Goldschmidt DH two days in a row and then got a day off. Was that the, what with the last game in Cincinnati where everybody got the day off and then the fans all complained about what are you trying to do here? And of course they won that game. Although, with two hits. Um, I, I think that Marmol's done a better job of, as the, as the term is now, load management than maybe some in the past would have done. But you're right. I mean, that, that travel and everything is going to get to these guys. And, you know, I also wonder if this, and I don't think it is the problem per se for the Cardinals right now, but overall it might be interesting. You know, the fact that, you're going to see every team means you don't see anybody very often, right? You're seeing new people all the time. It's not like, you know, in the last couple of years where you might face a starting pitcher four or five, six times, if they were in your division, then you see some of the same relievers and, and things of that nature, you get a little bit better feel for these guys. Um, now it's, it's kind of brand new and especially teams like Cleveland that you haven't played in, I, mean, I don't remember when the last time the Cardinals played Cleveland. It's probably been a bit. So, you know, there is a lot of unfamiliarity going on there. And, you know, maybe that means in the second half when they've seen some of these, especially in the National League, that things will be a little bit better. But, I mean, I don't know how much. I don't figure it's a huge factor, but maybe there's something there. And who do the Cardinals struggle the most against? Pitchers they've never seen before. That's right. That's yeah. right. It doesn't matter who it is. doesn't matter if their <laughs> fastball tops out at 85. They're not going to touch them. Yeah. Uh, you know, something I've been trying to, we've been, we've talked about this before and I've been thinking about it again this week. What is the identity of this team? Like mm. when you talk about this team as a whole, what is their identity? You know, you, you could look back at teams from the eighties and say, you know, it, it was their speed. We've seen Cardinals teams where we say it's their defense, you know, some teams where it, it's their starting pitching. Um, I don't know what the identity of this team is yet. And it, it's supposed to be the offense. I think right. they're supposed to be one of the top two offenses in the National League this year. But we, we've we seen glimpses of it. You know, when you put up 18 runs and everybody's hitting home runs, we see partially that, but it hasn't stuck. And so I'm still fishing out there trying to figure out what is the identity of this team because they haven't shown something consistently. And that's where I'm hoping that we start seeing them turn the corner a little bit by being back home. Uh, but yet we've yet to see that we've seen glimpses, but I still don't know what the identity of this team is. Well, I think it's very clear that the identity of this team is drama, right? Um, you know, has been at least the most consistent thing that we've seen all year long. Um, not as much this week, but you know, maybe they need maybe, more of it. Maybe that's the yeah. problem. <laughs> they thrive on drama. They are like that's a right. high school girl. They thrive on the drama. Someone Throw get something going on Snapchat or TikTok, please. 
throw somebody else under a bus because it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, you got to give the sacrifice out. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you're right. The offense is supposed to be it and it's supposed to be consistent. And when it's not, then it is hard to imagine what this team could do. I, you know, you talked about the fact that, you know, watching them settle back and maybe they're kind of overplayed a little bit. I have used the analogy before um, on the blog or in different seasons of the, um, as as nobody will be surprised, the scene in Empire Strikes Back, uh, where you you know Luke tries to lift his X wing and it comes up and you're thinking, oh here we go, and then it settles back under the the water, and the Cardinals have played like that at times too, right? They give you that surge, it makes you think, oh here here we go, and then it turns out to be maybe even worse than it was before. So, you know, hopefully they've got you know a little green friend that can actually lift them out of out of this mess and, and get them back on dry land at some point in time, but. And I mean, that kind of, I mean, maybe if you're going to extend that analogy, that probably means it's somebody that's not around, around the organization right now. And again, like we said, that kind of person isn't going to show up anytime soon. Or they're going to die. I, I mean, that got dark. Um, well, I mean, that was, that was, you have to go to the next movie for that. Okay. So, next season. My bad. Yeah. Um, I get all your Star Trek references confused. So I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This is yeah. David's last show, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, my apologies. <laughs> That's that was the line I crossed. That was it right there. Okay. It wasn't being president of the Dylan Carlson fan club. I, I mean, if the Cardinals Star need drama, Wars. maybe we'll do our own little drama and see if that helps. So, <laughs> but yeah, you know, outside help. That's this thing we hear people talking about all the time. And I hear Tyler O'Neill's name being brought up constantly about both from just people on Twitter, but even I think John Heyman jumped into the mix this week about. Tyler O'Neill being available for trade. That's fine and great, but the guy can't get back on the field. Like right. you're not going to trade a guy who can't play and teams are not going to want a guy who's hurt. He has no value in a trade unless he comes back and actually starts hitting again. And you know, it's so weird that the beginning of this year, we thought they had so much outfield depth mm-hmm. and now you know, I'm watching Burleson belly flop out there. I'm watching Donovan trip over his own feet and I'm thinking, you know, Mercado, who was at one point the top defensive prospect in the system, he he boots two easy balls. I'm thinking, Tyler and Dylan, please come back soon. Like, we <laughs> need you guys out there just to give us some semblance of normalcy because things look rough. I hope whenever they can come back that they can also inject some offense into the lineup. Who knows? But at this point, you're not going to lose a lot. I know Burleson hit one out today, but it, it has just been rough. And, you know, maybe guys playing out of position is hurting the offense too. Maybe they're having to focus so much on their defense that they're losing some stuff at the plate. But, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I like having interchangeable parts, but sometimes even interchangeable parts can be put in the wrong place. And I feel like that's kind of what we're witnessing right now. I, I want to pull these things up and I want to make sure that, before I get too far into this discussion. So give me just a minute because I, I want to say, want to want to ask you a question about Alec Burleson. Um, how, you know, the Cardinals love what the metrics say about Alec Burleson. And, you know, his exit velocity is high. Right now, his expected batting average is high. Um, things of that nature. But when does it start? When does it? When do the metrics stop mattering as much, and the production on the field is more important? Um, you know, he did hit a home run today. He's hitting about two forty. Which, granted, he's not the problem with the offense. And I don't, I don't even want to assume that. I'm just saying, in general, though, we've had this idea of of what the, the, the batted ball data and stuff like that it, it is telling us versus what's going on. Now, we we saw that a years ago with Matt Carpenter, right? The, the team said, everything's going to be fine, everything's going to be fine, and it was. I mean, Carpenter, after six weeks, turned it out into a, a huge MVP candidate. But where, you know, where do you draw the line, especially with a guy that doesn't have the track record of a Matt Carpenter? Well, it's funny. I was going to bring up Carp's name because it sounded exactly like what we were mm-hmm. hearing two years ago with him. Just, you know, the numbers are there. The exit velocity is there. Launch angles there. Expected batting average is there, but it didn't show up. And, you know, I, 
looking at Burles and stuff, I do see some of that. I mean, his average exit velocity is good, but sometimes that doesn't always tell the whole story. I mean, it's one thing if you're hitting a ball to the wall that would have gone out in 25 stadiums, but it stayed in one. It's another thing if you're just hitting it really hard on the ground and hitting it into double plays. Um, he's not barreling up pitches. That's that's one of the issues. If he was barreling up pitches, you're going to see some more line yeah. drives and seeing the ball go further and hit it, see, see him hit it hard. But it's also felt like he's just not come through in clutch situations lately. He's been at the plate when a, a few times this week where all the Cardinals needed was him to get a runner over, just get the runner over to third or just sacrifice to get the runner in. And he couldn't do it. He struck out or he popped out or something like that. And, you know, sometimes those basic fundamentals are just lacking. I mean, he's a guy who's bunted for two hits this year. And there were times this week I was thinking, just lay one down. Just get the guy over to third, please. Mm-hmm. You know, just from what I've seen from him lately. Now, I, and I'll say this goes back to even me thinking about it. he's supposed to have like the best hit tool of any Cardinals prospect, if we're still considering right. him a prospect mm-hmm. and also one of the best eyes. Now, the eye is there. If you look at his numbers, his mm-hmm. eye is there. He's not chasing pitches, but he's just not making great contact when he's actually swinging. I feel he needs to spend some time in Memphis. I feel like that is something it, it almost feels like the same reason they sent Jordan Walker down. Let's work yeah. on him driving the ball. Let's work on him driving the ball to opposite fields, hitting the ball harder, barreling up pitches. I feel like he would be time would be better spent in Memphis. The other issue with him is, you know, he's an effort guy and I'm never going to criticize somebody, you know, he's an effort guy. He just does not have the outfield skills that an outfielder needs. Uh, he, you can't really hide him, especially if the rest of the outfield isn't, doesn't have excellent sprint speed. He is a DH. Um, I, I heard him or someone said on radio that he actually feels more comfortable playing outfield than he does first base. So everyone's saying, we'll just throw him at first base and DH Goldie. Well, that doesn't always fix things. Mm-hmm. I think he really needs some time in Memphis I think he is best suited in the DH role when the Cardinals can use him there. But he is a guy that I feel like because of the makeup of this team, because of a guy, because of Gorman and having so many middle infielders and things like that. And yep and other DH options. He might be better suited playing on another team. If the Cardinals can get value in a trade. But that's the kicker, right? I mean, that's, and that's what you were saying earlier about Tyler Neal. If they can play well enough to have value, the Cardinals probably don't want to get rid of them. I mean, that's that's where they're at right now. Um, it would be great if Tyler O'Neill came back and hit and Burleson started to hit, and then, yeah, okay, we can get rid of somebody and not really affect us. But if this offense isn't going to, to really click, or at least not click on a consistent basis, it becomes really hard to get rid of somebody that is going well. I mean, not that John Moselock wouldn't do that, and not that he would look at – you know, the current issue and be a little bit more short-term focused than that. But it still is, is one of those things where it's like a bit of a catch 22 to build the value. You become so valuable to the team that it's hard to then, you know, flip you. Oh, absolutely. And one thing with Burleson that I think is a little bit confusing, like you look at the, you look at his build, he looks like a guy that should be able to hit 35 home runs. Like he just looks like the guy that you want on your slow pitch softball team because it's going over the fence. The thing is, he's not necessarily that guy. Even when he was coming up through the ranks, the big thing for him was, will he ever develop power? And people thought the power is what was going to hold him back. The hit tool was there, but they weren't sure if he'd have enough power to get to the majors. Now he showed it in the last year or so. He, he changed some things about his swing, his his body makeup, his composition, and he has shown more power, but he's not necessarily one of those guys who does project to have 30 home runs, even though he looks like he should. So mm. what you've got is a guy who is kind of limited to DH, can play a little bit of outfield, but who may not have the pop that you'd want from him. And it's it's a tough fit. Like, I, I think he's a major leaguer. I just don't think he can necessarily be a major leaguer for every team. And so when you start talking about that, that does hurt trade value. Like, you know, you've got to have another partner to dance with. And so, yeah, I, I don't think he, he's probably one of those guys. He holds more value to the Cardinals than he will to other teams. And I doubt other teams are calling the Cardinals about him. Just, you know, we have to have him. So it, it takes two to tango. And I don't know if anyone out there has the rose in their hand offering to the Cardinals wanting to make that move. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. You're right. He is, his barreling is, he has as many barrels this year as he did last year, but he has, you know, about 
two two hundred and fifty more plate appearances. So, uh, or two hundred seen two hundred and fifty more pitches. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong one. But, um, and I will say he's so, he's been better this week. Maybe things are turning a corner for him. I mean, what's kind of impressive is in the last his last eighty two at bats, he's only struck out eight times. I mean, that's yeah. that's really really good. Uh, but he just has not come through when they've needed him to. He. You'd never get to him in the lineup and think, oh, good, Burr listens up. Something good is about to happen or could happen. Um, you're kind of surprised when it does. I, I think he still has potential there. The guy's still somewhat young. He's only 24. Uh, he looks a little bit older than that. Uh, <laughs> but he's kind of one of those in-betweeners as far as where you can use him. He also has the possibility, and I didn't necessarily expect us to get <laughs> deep into the weeds on Alec Burr, but it's fine. It was a boring uh, I, I think, week for baseball. We got to talk yeah, about something. Yeah, we got to talk about um, I think that there's also that possibility that Burleson's one of those guys, you know, like you said, the hit tool and all that was going to bring him up, that he may have, he had enough, he was going to move quickly because he was so developed, but he just may not have the high ceiling that, you know, so he may be able to get to the majors, but not necessarily be able to get very far, you know, on the, on the pecking order as it were. Uh, no, maybe you can. I, I, I don't, you know, I'm no Kyle Reese, so I can't guarantee on anything like that. But uh, also very grateful that I'm no Kyle Reese. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, but I think that, I mean, there's that possibility, right? He, he used to be the, the quad A player, right? The guy that could hit in Memphis but couldn't at the major leagues level. I don't, I don't know that I'm saying that he's that. But it's also possible that, you know, his his ceiling is fourth outfielder. And that's not bad. I mean, you know, a lot of people would like to be a fourth outfielder in the major leagues, but that may not be the best thing for the Cardinals right now. Yeah, I agree. And I think he's one of those guys that would benefit from playing at a smaller ballpark, uh, just mm-hmm. both from defensively and hitting. But yeah, I, I think fourth outfielder fits for him. Uh, you know, I think if you're looking just overall skill set, he probably has more value than a Mercado does. Uh, he's oh, not yeah, going to have yeah. the speed by any standard. Uh, but, you know, Mercado got off to that hot start and people were starting to say, oh, does this mean the Cardinals should trade away O'Neill or Car- even Carlson at this point because of Mercado? No, no, no. Mercado has a big body of work you can look at. You can see right. that he was going to come back down to earth. And he has. Um, and <laughs> defensively, yikes. But, yeah, um, I think Burleson is – I think he is a solid fourth outfielder. He is a bench option, um, a bat that you would – somewhat trust coming off the bench, um, especially to make contact, even though it may not right. be the contact you want, but I don't think he's a guy that you need to have in your lineup every single day. And right now the Cardinals are forced to do their injuries, which who saw that coming? Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just true. Although, uh, I don't know that everybody expected it to get quite this bad. Uh, maybe didn't necessarily time, didn't expect uh, two injuries at one time, but, uh, and even if they did, they thought, uh, um, Jordan Walker would be up to cover one of those spots. Um, let's shift a little bit. Let's go ahead and talk about the rotation, which is, I mean, we've talked about so much fun stuff already. I mean, you just got to add on like icing to the cake when you start talking about the rotation. And that's, that's a blast. <laughs> um, we saw Matthew Libertor finally make another start this week after pitching in relief and being treated in a slightly weird way. Um, but it does feel, it does seem like, uh, you know, Stephen Mass is going to be in the bullpen for a little while. Um, were you surprised that they went to this? And I don't want to say quickly because it seems like it's been a while, but it also could have drug out a lot longer. Uh, I thought you were about to say that Matthew Libertor is going to be joining us tonight and then <laughs> in five minutes say he was actually going to be next week and then move him back to tonight and then move him back to midweek. Uh, yeah. You know, I'll be honest, the whole Mats thing, I'll believe it when I see it. I, I'm still not mm. convinced that we're going to see him in the bullpen. I, I for, you know, I uh, call me crazy, but I have this feeling that somehow he's going to make the next start. Even if the Cardinals say he's not, I feel like he's going to be out there. <laughs> um, it seems like it's taken too long to get to this point. Uh, but you, as we've talked about before, though, Mats can go out there and give up four runs in the first inning. And you're like, this is, this is awful. Like, yeah, they're watching this, right? And then he'll throw the next three or four innings and look amazing. And you're like, okay, he's finally put it together. Well, this past outing, that didn't happen. He gave up four runs in the first and looked pretty rough the rest of the way. 
you know, I understand wanting to protect Libertor. You've got a guy that's never thrown like a full season like this, so to speak. I mean, he did throw a lot of innings last year, but you know, the major leagues, that's a whole different ball game. Uh, but yeah, it's time. Uh, you know, this, I think this move needs to be made and if it works great, if it doesn't, I don't think you've lost much because I think even Libertor with that inning that just things kind of got blown up on him, he was still Mm -hmm. better than Matt's in that game. And Mm -hmm. so you don't need him to go out there and save your rotation. Now that's what it kind of feels like right now because you don't have a strong rotation, but you really need him to go out there and be a number four or number five. Who's somewhat reliable, who will get you five Mm -hmm. or six innings. And yeah, I think it's past due and I'm hoping he can do that. Now, thankfully, Miles Michaelis has actually looked really, really good. Right. I think right. his last seven or eight starts, um, he's looked really good. I think he's averaged about six innings per start in those. So he seems back at it. Jack Flaherty, we don't know what we're getting from him. Um, could be great, could be not. But Libertor, he doesn't have to go out there and be a Cy Young winner. He just needs to go out there and be a decent pitcher. And it's going to be an improvement for where the, from where the Cardinals have been the beginning of the season. I think that on, on Matt's, I think it helped. And I don't, again, I don't know. The front office thinks about a lot of things. They see a lot of stuff and I don't know that it's an issue, but it was very interesting to see uh, coming out this week from a number of places, people pointing out that technically they're paying Steven Matt's less than they paid Andrew Miller to be, you know, what a, a one inning guy um, or even a loogie back then. Um, so the contract's not going to keep him in the rotation, I think, was the idea. Didn't have to. Um, we have seen him, you know, Jeff Jones wrote the piece, I think it was really early this week, about the fact that, you know, Stephen Matz has thrown two quality starts in 20, um, in his two years as, as a Cardinal. It's never been good. Um, it's never been what people thought. And people didn't have high expectations for Stephen Matz when the Cardinals signed him. They just thought, He'd be a solid guy at the back of the bullpen that, or back of the rotation that would stabilize things a little bit, right? And give you, you know, maybe a little bit better than everybody else's four. Um, that hasn't been the case. And so there comes points in time where there's just so much data that, you know, a change has to come. Will it be a long-term change? I don't know. I do think that they'll probably put him in the bullpen for a little bit, but, you know, you know, the next time they have six or seven days in a row that they have to play, you know, Stephen Matz may take a turn just to, to keep people rested. Um, except for the bullpen, which will not help the bullpen at all to have Stephen Matz make a start. Um, I, I think it's very interesting to see how they treat him the rest of the way this year. Because if he does stay in the rotation, in the, in the bullpen, the rest, most of the rest of the way, if, you know, maybe except for a spot start here and there, what does that mean for next year? I mean, I, I think it would be very difficult to, plan for him to be a starter if he goes to the bullpen and especially if he's successful in the bullpen. Yeah. And you know, something that I think could play a role in this, and I don't want to put too much emphasis on this, but Rick Horton brought up the fact that uh, he was tipping his change up and mm. Horton made the comment, if I can see it, all the other batters, all the batters can see it as well. So it seems like he was telegraphing that. And if you're telegraphing a change up, I mean, that thing's going to get rocked. And it was, so if you're missing the zone with your other pitches and your changeups coming in and guys know exactly what you're throwing, you're in a whole lot of trouble. I'm hoping that that's something that they can get fixed mechanically, that uh, you would think that that's been passed down to the Cardinals or that they've been made aware of that mm-hmm. and that they can fix that. I don't know if that's going to change things. Like I want to be optimistic and say, okay, that's been what, that's what the issue was. Now he's going to be a much better pitcher, but you know what? Tipping your change up doesn't, cause you to walk the the first batter on four straight pitches that that just doesn't that's just right. not having a feel and not having control so i don't know what to expect i mean part of me thinks that he could be like last year and he could be a weapon out of the bullpen we could see him get it up to about 96 97 maybe he has a better feel for his pitches and maybe he maybe he's dominant maybe he's that lefty that's lacking out there and it's it's a perfect role there's another part of me that says that this is the guy that can't get anybody out in the first inning. And so his first batter out of the bullpen, he may walk them and give up four runs in that inning. I don't know. 
I'm trying to be optimistic and hope if he can get this change up fixed and throw a little harder out of the bullpen, that maybe we'll see a dominant reliever, but I don't know. Um, and you know, if, if you make this move, you put Libertor in the rotation, you put mats in the bullpen. One thing it does is it doesn't give you much room for failure anywhere else. If injuries come or if someone just can't get it done in the rotation, do you go back to Jake Woodford? I mean, Hudson's on the DL. The one name he that just got back. But, oh, okay. But, but, but I, I mean, he's probably yeah. more valuable on the DL. Yeah. <laughs> and Thompson's not ready. You know, the Cardinals mm-hmm. are stretching him out for 2037. So the one name that came to my mind, and I, I mentioned this to you during this week, and I haven't heard people bring it up, but it's Michael McGreevy, who has been mm-hmm. the best pitcher in Memphis so far. Still pretty young. Still trying to figure some things out. Just recently, he's been at Memphis most of this year, but it's still relatively new from him. Do you think he's somebody that we could actually see in the rotation or maybe even in the bullpen sometime this year? I think I would not completely rule it out. I don't. The problem is by the time he's gotten enough under his belt at Memphis, you are getting into that trade deadline season right um so in theory that's about the time that they might bring in somebody from from outside um but you know if he continues to pitch well and you know the cardinals are not one to to be reactionary unless it's their catcher um but so they've not typically rushed somebody up just to fill a spot um and if they don't think that McGree, you know, they can look at the underlying metrics and things of that nature and see if they think McGreevy stuff will play in the major leagues. I would be a little bit surprised to see him before the all-star break at Lee at that. And then again, if you're seeing him at that point in time, it may mean that the Cardinals aren't planning to make a trade or it may mean that he makes a uh, cameo appearance just to maybe showcase a little bit. I don't know how much that matters as much as it used to with people being able to scout the miners as well as they can, but you know, it never hurts to show that a guy can do something at the major league level. I don't know. Um, but before we get too far on, I do want to, uh, give you some numbers on Steven Matz and see if you can pick out, uh, which is the changeup. This is his, uh, W O B A is weighted on base average on, on, a baseball savant for his sinker, his changeup and his curveball. You tell me which one is which. Uh, 390, 394, 394. Yikes. This is like a really, really tough price is right game. (laughs) That, um, there's, there's no winner on this one. Oh man. That's so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the bull's dead. And granted he's thrown more sinkers as the sinkers to 390, um, or had, had more plate appearances with that. But yeah, I mean, his, his slugging percentage is almost 500 on all three of those pitches. Um, so, you know, maybe the fact that, you know, the changeup is coming um, is something, but I don't know that it's going to fix the problem. Maybe, you know, who knows? I mean, and he's maybe not throwing that curveball very much either. So batters hmm. probably know it's one of the other two. <laughs> Well, and, and then he's got a slider he's thrown 20 times, and it's uh, got a slugging percentage of 1,000. So That's great. You know, yeah. Not great. Uh, yeah. Fine. It, it has, oh, the slider, 20%, has a 100% hard hit rate. Probably won't see much of that. Um, did I miss something? Like, did somebody just put the slider on a tee and let guys hit it? Or, <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair. luck would have to make it. says 20 pitches, but it also says just two plate appearances. So I'm not, okay. and maybe, uh may have just been uh you know one for two with a with a double or something like i don't know but uh anyway I, yeah i and mcgreevy's an interesting thing you're right there's nobody else um you know we all liked tinkins in spring training but tinkins is not coming tinkins better not be in, in st louis this year and probably not next year right i mean he's got to develop and they've got to and that's part of the problem they've got to figure out how to develop young pitching i know that I think one of the first mock drafts that I saw for the Cardinals this this uh, for this coming up draft, you know, had them taking another you know first baseman type or something like that, which they may. I mean, they're going to take best player available, but 
they've got to start getting some pitchers in there or figuring out how to develop these pitchers when they come. And that might be the bigger, bigger situation. Um, maybe like, what was that draft about two years ago, two or three years ago, where I think it was Baltimore took like, every, took, took pitchers. They took every, every draft, every, every position, every, like the, the, all 20 players that they took were pitchers. I don't think the Cardinals need to do that, but being able to develop some guys to have as a backup. So you're not having to go to the Dakota Hudson's and the Jake Woodford's of the word world would do a whole lot of good. And it seems like the Cardinals are really good at drafting guys who have starter potential and immediately turning them into bullpen arms. Yeah. That, um, and, you know, Gordon Graceffo is another one who I think he probably is not ready until next year, but he's a guy that potentially we could see at some point, maybe it would probably be out of the bullpen. Uh, that I know some people salivate over him because he throws triple digits, but he's also not a strikeout pitcher, which is weird to think. You know, imagine going back to 1989 and telling somebody you got a guy that throws 101, but he doesn't strike people out. Uh, people, it would blow their minds, but that's kind of where baseball is today. And so he's another one that um, hopefully future starter, but some people see him as a bullpen arm. And and you're right, the Cardinals have to be able to develop that talent. And you you hope that Tink Hintz is one of those guys that can develop into that person. But when you look at guys like Gallon and Alcantara, some of the track record shows that they do a whole lot better when they're placed on other teams. Yeah, that has been the the line the issue so far. Um, and I don't know. Again, you know, maybe Dusty Blake taking over as a uh, you know kind of a the Jeff Albert of the pitching side or something like that may help. You know, get consistency up and down the lineup, but. Uh, or up and down the, the system. But even if that's the case, it's going to take a while for that to just start to bear fruit. So I, I don't know. We're just kind of grasping at anything right now, just because this team is what this team is. Cardinals have two games with the Royals, uh, two days off because the Cardinals wanted to play on Memorial day, which is fair. I think, and Alan is, is, is of this opinion too. We've had this discussion at times on, on, on usual, Every major league team should play on Memorial Day, the 4th of July, and Labor Day. I, I don't think that anybody should be off on those kind of holidays. And yet the Cardinals, just a couple years ago, were it happens sometimes. I would rather, though, them play on that day and have this weird scheduling quirk of two days off in a row than to you know get the Monday off and then play on Tuesday and Wednesday. What do you think? Yeah, I'm completely fine with that. Um, that, that seems like it, it is weird having the two days off. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think what's even weirder to me is coming home for two games and then going yeah. back on the road for six yeah. that it, it, I, I'm fine with the play on those holidays. I think that it, it does make a lot of sense for as far as baseball goes, um, why you would have games those days. But yeah, the scheduling itself this year has just been a little bit odd. Uh, sometimes I feel like somebody just started throwing stuff at a dartboard or just, you know, use like chat NPT or whatever. Um, I don't even think I got that right, but uh, just something like that. GPT, to, I think. It's yeah, um, I'm 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 a dork, but not the, not the good way. I mean, uh, I've never used it, so it could be you know, <laughs> um, TV for all I know. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's those are the, some of the weird parts that you see where you know it just feels like long periods on the road, and yeah. So yeah. That's that's my bigger beef than anything is just you come home for two and then you got to figure out what are you going to do for these two free days of what you're going to do. But I, they didn't ask me to make the schedule and I doubt they ever will. So I'll just kind of <laughs> keep my mouth shut and give my opinion from a distance. Well, that's that's what we do. Um, and people occasionally listen to us. I mean, listen to the show, not listen to actually do it. That's I don't want to get confused. Here, so. <laughs> um, so they go. They have the two games with the Royals then they have three with Pittsburgh. Um, five games. What, what, what are you thinking? What, what do you think they're going to do this week or what should they do this week? Well, I'm scared now to make a prediction, uh, <laughs> after last. Oh, and five. That's what we'll yeah. say. Then, uh, yeah. Hmm. I'm going to say, I, I almost want to say four and one. And I will say that Sunday game is one of those weird peacock games at the really mm. weird time the, uh, that yeah, should never exist. 10 o'clock in the morning or something. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to go three and two this week. Mm, I feel, 
I feel weird saying that. I feel like it's almost cheating, like I'm just calling a middle ground. But yeah, with the offense struggling, I'm going to say three and two. I, I think that's probably the right call. Um, because they do play to the level of their opponents. You know, that said, I can see them sweeping the Royals at home on a weird series like that. And I could see them taking two out of three from a Pirates team that doesn't look nearly as good as the time that's the Pirates team that we saw them play early in the year when the Cardinals were struggling. Um, I think four and one's reasonable, especially if Steven Matz doesn't make a start. Um, I'm worried about the Wainwright start. The Wainwright starts are always going to worry. I I don't think I, I would be surprised if anybody feels confident about Adam Wainwright on the mound. Now, can he have a good game? Sure. Can the offense bail him out? Sure. But I don't, you know, when, if Adam Wainwright had staked to a five to nothing lead in the first inning, I don't think anybody says, oh, we got this game. Um, I think that I know that Adam Wainwright wanted to come back because his September was so bad. I just don't know that this year is going to help his legacy any. I mean, he's Adam Wainwright. He's awesome. He sang the national anthem this year so there's that um and i mean i love adam wainwright but i also think that the hitters are kind of giving him an indication that maybe coming back wasn't the best idea yeah and and i i hate that like i feel Mm. like because of what he's done he can do anything like he he gets he gets that And, and i have no issues like i'm I, I get frustrated when I see the people on Twitter. They're like, he needs to retire today. And you, you never should have come back. You old man. I'm like, you know, stop it. Just, just mm. stop it. Like, and, and I try to separate the, you know, the nostalgic from the baseball business side of things. But I, I feel like he's done so much that I'm not going to be that person who's ever going to come down hard on him. Um, right. I, I want him to pitch better. I hope he does. I think he has been the victim of some bad luck and some bloops. Also, some really hard hit balls. Uh, I do think he's going to be better. I think we're going to see because he also hasn't had the luxury of as many starts as these other guys have getting to this yeah. point. So I think he is going to be better. Uh, hopefully that starts against the Royals and hopefully it continues from there. But um, yeah, in today's game, when a guy's not throwing harder than 89, it's it's really tough to be effective. But I, just because I'm such a huge fan. I I really hope he just comes out just on fire for the next five or six starts and just looks like vintage Wainwright. I, I mean, I would love that as well. Don't get me wrong. I I I know I'm being, I'm being overly optimistic. I just it's wishful thinking. No, I mean, but it, I mean it is Adam Wainwright, and there's no doubt that if there's anybody in baseball now that knows how to be a pitcher versus a thrower, it's Adam Wainwright, right? I mean, he knows how to do that. But I also think, and this was a situation that we talked about some in the winter, you know, having the new rules of, you know, engagements and stuff like that, but also more than anything, having that new catcher behind the plate, um, nothing about, nothing against Wilson Contreras, who is the catcher, um, at least for today, um, or even Andrew Kister, who I thought Adam Wainwright has worked with a lot more often. But I think that a lot, I don't know how much, but especially in the last couple of years, a good bit of, of Wainwright's success was the connection, the you know, shared mind, if you will, with Yadier Molina. And, uh, you know, knowing where to throw a pitch that maybe Contreras doesn't know, or even maybe even Wainwright doesn't even think about. You remember, I mean, the most famous story I think they have is, you know, of Molina coming up to the play in uh, 2006 and, you know, talking to Wainwright and then going back and calling for that change up to Beltran. And, you know, he's like, Oh, never, you know, never thought of that through it. And, you know, rest is history type of thing. Um, so I do wonder how much of that, you know, cause he didn't have a whole lot, you know, if, if you were taking peak out of Wainwright and taking away Yachty and he drops 5%, you don't really notice it. But when Wainwright's kind of living on the fringes now, if you drop it 5%, it's a little bit more noticeable. Yeah, you know, and I so wish he was still throwing 96 because if he's mm-hmm. throwing 96, we're seeing some incredible numbers from him. And um, you want him to go out on top. I, I think that's right. probably more than anything. That's what you really hope for. And I don't even necessarily mean World Series. 
Um, you just want a guy to go out successful. I, I know there was a point last year where Pujols even mentioned that he was struggling so much, I think around May, June, where he even thought right. about retiring early and, and then he caught fire. And, and that's what you hope for Wainwright this year. You don't want to see him have to go out with a bad taste in his mouth. Like he did at the end of last year. You want to see him go out with success. Now it doesn't have to be, you know, a 2.5 ERA. I mean, if the guy has a, you know, borderline four ERA, I think we'd consider that to be a great success. Mm-hmm. Um, you just don't want to see him struggle. That That's just something. And I don't say that out of pity or anything. I just say that out as a human who is a huge fan of his um, and, a, and a Cardinal fan. You, you want to see him have some success. And I think one thing that will help, you know, for one thing, if he pitches better, obviously, but also if the pitchers around him start pitching better as well, then you don't have as many glaring holes and it doesn't make every bad start stand out as much. Right. right. Yeah. There is, there is something to that as well. So um, we'll see. It doesn't look like Adam gets to match up with uh, Zach Greinke this week, like would have been very interesting to see. So a couple that of will go to Mr. Michaelis. Yep. Yep. And that hopefully again, maybe helps the Cardinals as well. The Cardinals, you know, the Wainwright start, they're going up against a, a, a uh, opener and then, uh, Mike Myers, former Cardinal, um, who didn't have a whole lot of success, but has been better since he left St. Louis. And um, since he left Saturday Night Live. But that's... Well, I mean, it depends on depends on your point of view, I guess. Uh, especially some of his later work. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we'll see how this week goes, but um, and we'll be back next week to talk about it then. So for David, I'm Daniel. Good night. See ya. Hey, Cardinals fans, thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click Subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in Baseball Heaven.